Welcome to today's podcast from Coastline Calvary Chapel in Gulf Breeze, Florida. We hope this message encourages you and brings light into your life. Well, Jesus came. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament, there was at least 130 prophecies of the first coming of Jesus Christ. And he came, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. And the Bible says that he's, and Jesus said himself, that he would come again. And if there's 130 Old Testament prophecies about his first coming, there's over 1,800 prophecies in the Bible about his second coming. In fact, Jesus himself in the book of Matthew said that before he comes, there'd be a time of sorrows. And it's translated in our vernacular, our understanding, as birth pangs. And that they would just get closer and closer together before his time of coming. And the world is, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's crazy right now. (laughs) Is it not? With just, I mean, Jesus explained it like this. He said, wars and rumors of wars, spiritual deception, nation will rise against nation. There'll be famine, there'll be violence. People become lovers of self more than lovers of God. There'd be plagues worldwide. And, you know, there's so much going on. I'm not going to get into the whole cultural dynamic of what's happening in our world today. But, you know, the the violence, the the recent shooting in in New York. And then I think it was just maybe yesterday in uh, South Carolina. The the increase in violence is, is, is crazy right now in our country. Just check out Chicago if you don't think that's true. China locked down again with 26,000 a day experiencing this worldwide plague. Uh, U.S. schools in deep trouble with uh, the clash of curriculum and the LGBT cultural war. And uh, I mean, constant terror in Israel. Happy Easter. That's that's it. We're done. No. (laughs) I, I just say all that to say... The world's crazy right now. You guys know who John Lennon is? Remember John Lennon, the Beatle? Some of you don't know who John Lennon is. <laughs> well, he, he had a son, has a son named Julian Lennon. And maybe you remember the song that, that's probably the most famous song that John Lennon ever wrote. It's called Imagine. And in that song, John kind of says, you know, if we didn't have heaven, if we didn't have hell, if we didn't have religion, if we didn't have borders, if we didn't have all this stuff, we could live at peace. Well, his son, Julian, said he would never sing that song unless he felt like the world was coming to an end. Those are his words. Quote from Julian Lennon. And just the other day, well, look at a little video. Above us, only sky. 
Imagine all the people Living for today <laughs> That's all we're going to give you. We're not going to give you the whole song. You guys want to go, hoo But I thought it was interesting that he said, I'll never sing that song until I feel like the world is coming to an end. And based on what's going on in our culture, in the Ukraine, and China, and Russia, he sang that song as a benefit to raise money for the Ukraine. I think Jesus is coming back. You know, when, and when my kids were growing up, I, I would have two boys and one daughter. And the boys had a room together, and the daughter had her own room. And at night, when we finally get them settled down, you know how that is. You get them in their rooms, and finally the day's coming to an end. And uh, you, I would go into the boys' room, and I had this story I made up that I would tell my kids. It was about this made-up frog called Roscoe the River Frog. And Roscoe the River Frog lived way up in a tree. And he would come down the tree, and he would come to their house, and he would knock on the door. And then I'd go through, who do you think answered the door? And I didn't know who answered the door. I just let them, you know, I'm just trying to kill some time while they're giving me all the names. <laughs> and finally, I'd throw a name out there. No, it was so-and-so. Oh, he didn't think of that, you know. And, and, and I would tell this story, and then would have a prayer. Then I'd stop by my daughter's room, go through the same story. And usually I would do this with her, though. I would say, you know, Jenny, if I could line up all the little girls in the room. She reminded me of this recently. I said, if I could line up all the girls in the world, and I would name some of her friends, Natalie and Stacy, and I'd name all these little girls' names. And I said, and if I could just choose one, and she's looking at me, and I'd put my finger right in the middle of her forehead, and I'd say, I would choose you. And boy, her, her eyes would get big, and she'd have this giant smile on her face. And I would include in those stories I told my kids their day, their names, everything I could think about that they had done this week or whatever as Roscoe the River Frog was visiting with them. But I say all that to say this. Did you know that, that you and I are in the Easter story? It may not be your name, but you and I are in here. In fact, I think that we all resemble some of the people in the Easter story and how they responded to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in our text today, in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, there are four people in the story. And if you were alive during that time, during that setting, then I believe you would probably have reacted the same way as one of these people. And I believe there's also a very specific word for you from the Lord himself in this passage of Scripture. And I hope that you hear it. I hope that you listen. Because I believe he wants to speak to you. I'm not sure of your spiritual condition. You, you may be here as a guest with friends and family, and, and, and that's great. You're looking for a, you know, a great afternoon, got some plans. 
Or, or maybe you're here today and, well, maybe this is a difficult day for you. Maybe this is a hard day. Maybe it's a sad day because this is your first Easter that you're missing someone who was here last Easter. Maybe you're here and, and, and because it's a special day, Easter, it, it kind of marks time for you. And that person that, well, that's no longer here, it's, it's difficult, it's sad. And, and or maybe you're here and this is, this is part of our story. Spiritually, you're not good. Outwardly, you look fine. But inside, you know that it's not how it should be. It's not the way it was. Maybe, in fact, you've even made choices recently that you know were not of the Lord. You know they were wrong. You know they were ungodly. And right now, if you were honest, you would say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a prodigal. I'm away from the Lord. Oh, yeah, it's Easter. I'm in church. But inside, it's not right. It's not healthy. Well, the Lord wants to speak to you today. He really does. Or, or maybe you're here, you're discouraged. And you feel like God has let you down in some way. He's not come through. You're disappointed in the Lord. You, you, you've lost hope. You feel discouraged. Or maybe you're here just because it's Easter. Hey, it's Easter. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to check that box. You're, you're not sure you even believe in Jesus Christ. You certainly don't know if you believe that he rose from the dead. You're just here, and your biggest concern right now is, how long is this guy going to talk? <laughs> well, I want to read this story. If you have a Bible, it's in Matthew chapter 16. Well, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And we'll just begin with verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath, Mark 16, verse 1, was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices they might anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who's going to roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And when they looked up, they saw it had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. They were frightened. He said, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you'll see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly, fled from the tomb, they trembled and they were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were so afraid. And, and when he arose on the first day of the week, verse 9, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, well, they did not believe. I believe Easter has something to say to, to everyone. For those who've been hurt, for those who've been broken, who've lost someone to death, that's certainly the feeling and the context here that they'd lost Jesus. And people who've never really lost a loved one, well, they don't know what it's like. 
to have that sense of emptiness or that, that person who's, who's missing with you one day and then suddenly they're, they're gone. It's, it's devastating. It's heart-wrenching. It's painful. Well, that's what happened to the disciples. One day Jesus was with them. The next day he's arrested. He's tried. And, and they're living this story I mean, when, when this is going on in their life, they don't know the end yet. They don't know the stone's going to be rolled away. Jesus is going to rise from the dead. They're kind of like the people boarding the Titanic. They have no idea what's about to happen. They just, they're, they're, they're like, all right, we're going on a cruise. This is it. They're, they're kind of like the children of Israel as they come to the shores of the Red Sea. Like, we're trapped. But something amazing happens. Jesus, the one they loved, the one they followed, their, their, their savior, their miracle worker, their hero, their friend, he's gone. Falsely accused, given one of the most cruel and horrible deaths imagined, crucifixion. The prophet Isaiah described it like this. He said he was wounded. He was bruised. He had stripes from a whip. He, he even described he's like a lamb led to a slaughter. It's so bad, Isaiah would say in, in chapter 53, that we turned, as it were, our faces from him because we couldn't handle looking upon it. They witnessed his death, and it devastated them. I'll never forget, I had an experience once. Some lady had asked me if, if, if I would go check on her husband. He had gone sailing. And I went down to the National Seashore. It was a, it was a windy day. And, and I walked down on the beach there by the ranger station, if you know where I'm talking about, in between here. Again, Guff Breeze, proper. <laughs> if you're familiar with the area. So, so in between Guff Breeze proper and where I was living, there's the National Seashore with a ranger station. And I didn't see a sailboat anywhere, but I did see someone lying on the beach on a cold afternoon. I'm thinking, what's going on with that? And as I was trying to figure out what I was looking at, there was a radio playing some country western music. There was a pair of boots next to the guy. But then all of a sudden I realized there's something laying next to him on the other side, and it was a shotgun. And I'll never, ever forget what I saw. I can't get it out of my mind. A man had come down here from Missouri or somewhere, taken his own life, and, well, it was, it was horrible. Jesus, they saw him go through this, this painful death. They never got to say goodbye. They never, you know, got, got to spend any time with him, really understanding what was about to ha happen. It was cruel, it was bloody, it was gruesome. But Jesus was going to overcome death. Jesus was going to change death forever. Now, now I know that, that on earth, we all still die. But I also know that the Bible tells us we have an eternal soul and we will live forever in his presence. There is a heaven. No, it doesn't matter what John Lennon says. There, there is a heaven and the Bible teaches also that one day we'll get a new body. In, in this passage in, in Mark chapter 16, 
It says in verse 9, when he arose early on the first day, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. This woman is mentioned. Seven demons cast out. Well, you know, what kind of life did she have? I, I don't know. I'm sure it was, it was immersed in darkness, the demonic, the occult. I'm not sure what she saw in her life, what she experienced, what she lived through, but she had been healed and touched by the Lord. <coughs> and when everyone left the tomb, she was there all alone, crying. And someone said, why are you weeping? In John chapter 20, we have the, the story of that. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. She recognized him for who he was. Jesus was the first one to rise from the dead in this way, and he promises our resurrection. 1 Corinthians, look at this passage in chapter 15. It says, Jesus said, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. And that's the term they use for Christians dying, falling asleep. For since by man came death, Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so all shall be made alive. Jesus had been killed, he had been murdered, he had gone to the other side, but now he's alive. Now this is crazy. This is what they're experiencing. It's, it's wild, it's crazy, it's mind-blowing. And in the Gospel of Luke, he says to them when he appears one time, he goes, look at my hands. Look at my side. Look at my feet. It's, it's really me. The, the Bible says they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, ghosts don't have bodies. They see Jesus... And they think he's a ghost, like Casper or the Headless Horseman or Scooby-Doo. Remember Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Jesus says, no, it, it's I. It's me. And the Bible says our body in heaven one day will be like his. We shall be like him, the Bible says, for we shall see him as he is. So is, is this another Jesus? No, it's the same Jesus. Any difference between the old body and the new body? Yeah. The, but there's also similarities. He, he, was in the, he was the same guy. He still had the pierce marks in his hand and his feet, the wound in his side. But if you know the story, he can appear in a room without opening the door. He can eat food. And he did with his disciples. He can also ascend into heaven like he did from the Mount of Olives. So he has a body. Listen. He eats. I'm, I don't think there's weight gain in, in the resurrected body. I'm grateful for that. He can pass through doors. He can fly. And when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll know more questions will be answered from a heavenly perspective. And all those questions will be resolved. And one day you'll see Jesus. Listen, one day you'll see him. And every Easter that passes brings us closer to the day. And close to the day, we'll be united together again with loved ones in heaven. 
So this message is for those of us who have lost someone. Those who are sad, those who are missing someone who has died. It's Jesus saying, listen, I've overcome death. It's not the end. You live forever and sorrow will be turned into joy. And you see your loved ones who died in the Lord. Let me, let me ask you a question. Anyone here looking forward to seeing some loved ones who died in the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> I am too. Because Jesus said this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So, so number one, listen. Easter is for those who've lost someone very special to them, like the disciples. Number two, Easter is for those who have failed spiritually. It tells us here in this passage, in verse 6 and 7, as Jesus is speaking, he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where he's laid. Now go tell the disciples... And then he mentions, by name, Peter. Because Peter had blown it. Peter had failed miserably. Openly, he had denied Jesus three times and cursed and swore and said, I never knew the man. So the message of the resurrection of Jesus is there's a second chance for those who have failed. Now, sometimes, you know, we kind of feel embarrassed, maybe, to go to church. Not been in a long time. Someone said, a lot of people are only in church maybe three times in their whole life. When they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. <laughs> and that might be true of some people. Stories told about a, a preacher, kind of a little country church, and he was at the back door as people were leaving church. He was shaking hands, and he saw someone he hadn't seen there in a long, long time. And the preacher was kind of, kind of rough on people, so he made sure he shook the guy's hand. He pulled him close, said, "Boy, I haven't seen you in church in a long time. Where you been?" He said, "Well." I've been missing. He said, well, son, you're in the army of the Lord. You need to get back. And he pulled the pastor to him. He whispered. He said, yeah, but I'm in the secret service. <laughs> Don't try that. <laughs> P Peter was in the secret service after he denied the Lord. During that time when he was denying him, the third time he was standing by a little charcoal fire and he was watching Jesus as he was going through his trial. And, and Jesus had told him, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And he's standing by the fire and he hears the cock crow. and He's just denied him the third time. And he looks up and by that fire, he sees Jesus looking at him and he runs out and he weeps. But now, listen, now, in Mark chapter 16, the message is out. Jesus is alive. Go and tell Peter. And Peter is signaled out. Listen, he's pointed out because he needs a second chance. Jesus is not surprised that Peter failed. 
Jesus wasn't caught off guard by Peter's denial. No, Jesus had told Peter, Peter, you're going to blow it. And when you and I fail, when you and I slip, when you and I stumble spiritually, if that's you, the Lord's not surprised. And if you need a second chance, he's more than willing. And he calls you back. All you have to do is ask him and he'll forgive and he'll restore. P Peter and John, you know, ran to the tomb and they, they saw the grave clothes and, and it was still in kind of a bodily form, like a mummy, kind of like Jesus had slipped out somehow. And, and, and John, John believed, but Peter, he was still struggling. He, he wasn't sure. And Jesus came to Peter. We, it doesn't tell us the first time he met him, but he met him before this time when he was out fishing. The second time was that time out on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were all fishing and Jesus comes walking on along the beach, the shores of the Galilee, and he cries out to the, the, the fishermen, the disciples out in the boat, and he goes, children, or, or, hey guys, you catch anything? Got any food? No, we fished all night. We caught nothing. And Jesus says in John chapter 21, well, cast the net on the other side. And John realizes, because he's heard this before, it's the Lord. And Peter dies off the boat, the guy who wants the second chance. And he swims to shore. He, he, he's doing his part. And Jesus has got a fire there burning, and he takes some of their fish and his fish. Now, think about this. Here's Jesus, crucified, nailed, pierced hands, making breakfast for the disciples. And he takes the fish, and Peter's standing there, probably having a flashback. The last time in front of Jesus in a charcoal fire was a lot different. And he, and he sees Jesus, and, and the glow of the fire, and Peter turns to him, and Jesus says, Do you, do you love me, Peter? He goes, yes, Lord, you, you, know, you know I love you. A little later, he asked him again, do you love me more than these? And maybe he was speaking of the other disciples because old, arrogant, proud Peter has said, though these deny you. Remember that? I'll never deny you. And now Jesus says, Peter, do you, do you love me more than these guys? He says, I... I you know I love you, Lord. This is new, humbled Peter now. Yeah, I love you, Lord. And the third time, he, he, he adds, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. He says, well, then, then feed my sheep. You know, take care of my lambs. And not just forgiven, but the Lord takes Peter and puts him back in service. The powerful picture of a second chance. And a lot of people think, well, I blew it, I failed, I tried this Christian thing, didn't work for me. Uh, but the Easter story is all about a second chance. All about you can come back. He gives you, a, I believe, a first chance, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, fifth chance. He never gives up on you. That's who he is. Easter is for a person who needs a second chance. Easter is for a person who's hurt or broken by, because they've lost someone. And number three, Easter is for a person who feels, God's failed me. God's let me down. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've got a disease or a disability 
our circumstance, our situation in your life, a financial situation, a marriage that's like nuts, or your kids, or, or you've knocked, you've prayed, and the door's not open. You think, God, what's going on? You're disappointed in God. In, in our story, if we read on, in verse 12 of Mark chapter 16, he appeared to, in, in another form, to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And as they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe him. It, it's an interesting thing. He later appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table. What's happening there is two disciples had been following Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, they felt like Jesus failed them because he was crucified. They thought he was the one, hoping he would overthrow the oppressive government of the day and set Israel free, bring Israel back to its place of priority and prestige and set them free. But they saw Jesus die in Jerusalem. And they wanted to get as far away from Jerusalem, from the cross, from the failure, as they possibly could. So they're walking along, and guess who joins them? It's Jesus. I don't know if he had a hoodie on. I don't know if he did a Jedi thing, you don't see me, you know, type thing. I don't know. But they didn't know who he was. And he comes up alongside, hey guys, what you talking about? What, you didn't hear what happened in Jerusalem? Are the only guy in the city who doesn't know what went down? And Jesus says, well, tell me what happened. Jesus, mighty in word and deed, a prophet, hoping he was the one who would deliver Israel. And Jesus began to open the scripture and tell them all the passages that revealed the death of a Messiah. And I'm sure they're thinking, how does this guy know so much scripture? He's like a prophet. And they get to their destination, and, and, and Jesus is going to keep going. And they say, no, 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 come, come in. Come inside and have a meal with us. And they sit down. He broke bread, the scripture says. And suddenly they realize it's him. And they said this later, did not our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us as we walked along the way and he opened the scripture to us? See, I want you to listen. In your struggle, in your hurt, in your pain, he wants to speak to you. You know, I had an experience one time with a young guy in the church. He said, hey, my, my father-in-law wants you to come over and talk to him. I go, okay, well, what about? And he goes, well, he's dying. And he listens, this is how far back it was, he listens to your CDs. And he still wants to talk to me? He goes, yeah, he wants to talk to you. <laughs> he's got a lot of questions, he's going to die soon, and he's not a Christian, would you come to us? Oh, sure, I'll go. So I went over to the house, and sure enough, I was kind of taken back when I saw him. He was very thin. He was actually jaundiced. His eyes were yellow. His skin was kind of yellow. And I started talking to him. And I said, uh, your son-in-law says you're not a believer. He goes, no. I said, so do you think you're going to heaven? He goes, no, I'm not going to heaven. 
I said, well, do you think your son-in-law is going to heaven? He goes, oh, yeah, my son-in-law is such a great guy. He's a Christian. He's taking such great care of my daughter. Uh, if anyone's going to heaven, it's my son-in-law. I go, oh, that's great. So, well, what about your daughter? Oh, yeah, she loves Jesus. She's been saved. She's definitely going to heaven. I said, why not you? He goes, well, because I don't believe. He said, I don't believe all that stuff in the Bible about Noah and, you know, and, 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 and building an ark and Jonah and the well. And he named off a couple other Old Testament stories. He said, so, so I just can't believe it. And I said, who told you you had to believe that stuff? He looked at me kind of weird. And he goes, what do you mean? I don't have to believe the, the whole Bible to go to heaven? I go, no. Who told you you had to do that? He goes, well, I thought you had to believe the whole Bible to go to heaven. I go, no, you don't. I said, you just have to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Invite him into your heart, and you'll go to heaven. He goes, I don't have to believe in Noah. Nope. <laughs> or Jonah. No. No, you don't. I said, well, would you like to believe in Jesus? He says, yes, I would. So we prayed. He received the Lord. And before I left, I said, by the way, you might see Jonah and Noah. <laughs> When you get to heaven, <laughs> you can settle that with those guys. <laughs> but he felt like, you know, I just can't swallow all that. And he was disappointed in the Lord for several things. But the last person I, I see in this story, number four, and this is the last one, is, is the skeptic. In Mark chapter 16... Verse 14, it says, Later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Easter is for believers, but it's also for doubters. Easter is for believers, but it's also for doubters. You ever struggle with doubt? I think everyone does. I mean, I think even Christians sometimes come to a point, if they're honest, and say, you know, what if this is just a big lie, and, and I've made all this up to soothe my conscience or appease my guilt? Even the strongest believers have moments of doubt. Remember John the Baptist? I mean, he was known in the Bible as the greatest of prophets. But he was in prison, and, and, and he said, go ask Jesus if he is the one or should I look for another? Because he was doubting. And doubts aren't always bad. I want you to hear this. Listen, doubts aren't always bad. Doubts are not always a sign that a man is wrong. It might be just a sign that a man or a woman is thinking. There's nothing wrong with thinking. And John the Baptist was thinking. Skepticism is the first step toward truth. Every believer will go through the hall of doubt on his way to the room of truth. That's the way it works. You begin to question. You begin to wonder. Nothing wrong with questions because the Lord has lots of answers. We have a reasonable faith. The book of Isaiah says, come, let us reason together. Let's think about this. You know, I've had the privilege to, to travel a little bit, and, and everywhere you go in the world, you'll find Christians 
And you also find churches and crosses and stained glass windows. And Jesus has impacted this world in such a powerful way. Thomas doubted. Some call him Doubting Thomas. In John 14, had the story of, of Thomas when he wasn't in the room, when, when the guy, sh you know, when Jesus showed up that first Sunday and, and Thomas wasn't there. And they all said, hey, you're not going to believe this. We, we, saw, we saw Jesus. And he said, I, I don't believe you. Not unless I put my finger in his hands and, and, and thrust it into his side. And, and Jesus appears to him and, and says, Thomas, come here. He didn't rebuke him. Didn't say, where were you last week? But Thomas was there. He was there next week, right in the front row. And Jesus showed up. Thomas was a skeptic. Thomas was a doubter, if you will. But then Thomas believed. See, the difference, listen, the difference between a skeptic and a hard heart is this. The skeptic, the doubter, will listen and examine and think and decide. The hard-hearted person usually is set in their ways. Oh, you're not going to tell me anything. I got that all figured out. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Thomas was a skeptic with doubts who became a believer. In John chapter 20, verse 29, I don't know if we have this verse or not. It says, Jesus said to them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I mean, that's us. I've never had breakfast cooked by Jesus on the beach, have you? I've not seen him physically. I've not touched his body. People say seeing is believing. But Jesus would say believing is seeing. And once you believe, I, I, I wasn't brought up in a church. I, I, didn't, I never knew anything about the Bible. But once I believed in him, it came alive to me started making sense to me. Let, let me ask you a question. What's your situation today? Have you lost someone, a loved one? Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me, though he is dead, yet shall he live. Maybe you're here today, you're that prodigal who drifted away. That one that needs a second chance and he's, he's reaching out to you today. He's speaking to you. Or maybe you're that one who, who feels God let me down. Or a skeptic. And he wants to give you answers. If you believe he'll show himself to you. He'll make himself real to you. See I, I want to give uh, us an opportunity today to respond. Maybe you've never believed. Maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've walked away and you need to come home to him. This is, this is a great day to do that. Easter Sunday. The one who, who forgives, the one who gives a second chance, the one who understands the skeptic, the one who, who's willing to, to, to embrace those who are hurt and in pain. You know, Jesus in the scripture would say it this way. Today is the day of salvation. The enemy will always tell you, oh, you got tomorrow. You got next week. What, what's so big about today? Well, 
Because the day's the day. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you open, I'll come in. See, I didn't know the Bible growing up. I was a high school dropout. I was a stoner surfer. I had long hair at one time. I'm just fortunate now to have hair, actually. That's <laughs> one of my praise reports. <laughs> but, but I asked Jesus into my life at a young age, 19 or so, and gosh, talk about forgiveness and a burden lifted and peace and finding real truth. And today, I, I want to I offer you something. I want to offer you what I found. Some people explain it like this. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread and where to find life. And if you've never, ever made a commitment to Jesus Christ, or if you're someone who's drifted away, this might be your day to make things right. You know, I think about that story I would tell my little daughter, and I'd put my finger on her head, and I'd say, if I could line up all the little girls in the whole world, and I could just pick one, I'd pick you. And I believe in some way Jesus would say that to you today. If I could line up all the people in the world, and he does, and I knew all their problems and situation, I could just pick one, I would pick you. And here's the truth of the matter. Jesus has already chosen you. By dying on the cross. Because here's what he said. Whosoever will may come. Whoever will come to me, he says, I'll take. You just have to choose him. That's the next step. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us again as we dive into the scripture, going verse by verse here at Coastline Calvary Chapel. 